Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number six. Today, Ashlyn Carter of Ashlyn Writes will be talking all about copy, why you need it, where you need it, and what a copywriter does. She'll explain the power of words and where you need to place your focus as an entrepreneur. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey guys, welcome to Gold Digger. I am so excited to introduce you to my sweet friend, Ashlyn Carter of Ashlyn Wright. <laughs> and Ashlyn and I met in April at a workshop over jalapeno margaritas, which we believe is where all good stories begin. Absolutely. <laughs> and since meeting, we've gotten to work together super closely on different things mm -hmm. like launches, email copy, sales page copy. This girl is a wizard with words. And I am just so excited for you to get to know her and her sweet Southern accent. So welcome, <laughs> Ashlyn. Hey, buddy. And I would love for you to just start off and tell the audience a little bit about you and your story and how you got to where you are today. Awesome. So I can make it quick, but um, I, hence the accent, I live in Atlanta with my husband and two German Shepherd puppies, which there's been smarter things done, but we love our little horses. And um, I, it turns out if you chronologically catalog in style, Team Vogue, all those magazines under your bed growing up, you're shooing for a journalism major. So um, like Jenna said, I am a copywriter and a calligrapher, and it has always been words for me. And so I um, went to college, no doubt I wanted to be a journalism major and was 
going on the editorial track and you know that year 2009 happened and I was interning at a Time Inc. publication at the time and a magazine closed on the floor above me and the floor below me and I went back fall senior year terrified and said, I'm switching to the PR track of communications. And that was a fit too. I love people. I love talking. And um, that's a strength of somebody that works in PR. And so that's what I wanted to do. And then when you're from Alabama and go to school in Alabama, Atlanta is the big city. And so I wanted to work at a PR agency in Atlanta. And so I did that and it was everything that I dreamed. It was clicking heels in Midtown Sky Towers and, um, you know, Fortune 500 clients in my back pocket working on email copy for them. And then a um, celebrity chef in Atlanta reached out and he needed a publicist. And so, um, you know, I moved over to that thinking it might be an opportunity for me to learn to love work, but maybe work a little less PR required, like all the time work. And so when I moved over to work for him, I think it was kind of like a conglomeration of everything Um, It was like the straw that broke the camel's back because all of this time I had been filling calligraphy orders at night. (laughs) I've told Jenna this before, but I used to sit in chemistry in high school and no, I didn't get the mole. Like I'm not much one for chemistry, but I would make my notes look like bomb.com. They would look amazing. And so I had people asking me to write different things for them. And about the fourth person bride asked, you know, I love your handwriting. Can you do calligraphy? I decided to take a class. And so, um, that was just like my side hustle. The fun thing that I did at night after PR agency life, but it was exhausting. And so my husband and I got engaged and I'm still, you know, doing this lifestyle working all the time. Work was you know, probably an idol in my life and just something that I absolutely adored a little too much. And I couldn't control anything after we got engaged. And, you know, you have to plan a wedding on top of it all. But the one thing I could control was what I ate and how much of it went in my body and what came out. And so that very quickly escalated into an eating disorder that I never saw coming, which I should have, but um, I didn't. And so actually this very month, a year ago, I was in partial hospitalization for um, anorexia and generalized anxiety, which I still struggle with, and um, depression. And so I, you know, you pull the things that this girl loves, work and running around and like being busy, and you put her in partial hospitalization. And it's like, what? I have to be still. But it was a sweet time where we both got to look at each other. What? three months into marriage and sit there and say, like, what do we want life to look like? We realized that, like, I kept saying, Wes, I want to learn what it's like to work from a place of rest and like, like deep rest and not hustle around all the time. And so this seed was planted in us that maybe there could be, maybe I could work for myself one day, you know, maybe like six months down the road, I would have a client roster. I've always been a writer. I can make money off that and click fee, right? And, um, February, I came home complaining about work one too many times. And Wes said, we're going to go buy you a laptop and you're going to quit tomorrow. And that is exactly what happened. Praise God for sweet husbands. And, um, I haven't looked back and it's been a crazy wild ride, but that was February. And then I'm really thankful for opportunities to meet people like you, Jenna, because I do feel like thanks to you and some others believing in me and the experience that I had working in media for about a decade. I've been able to match my income and make a salary off this and um, have absolutely loved it. It's like the coolest psychological experiment to (laughs) 
figure out how to run a business, right? Like it's so hard, but so good. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my emphasis in college was PR as well. It makes Um, sense. That's why we clicked. So I did a double major with business administration and communication with a PR emphasis and as my husband. So it's so funny (laughs) because we learned how to write press releases and all of that kind of stuff. And I had dreamt similar to you of like working at a PR agency for Kelly Catrone and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And so it's hilarious to see how different things look, but how we wouldn't change a darn thing. A darn thing. You got that right. So what has been your greatest challenge, I guess, in starting this business and also, you know, just deciphering which direction you want to take it? Because unlike some other people, you almost have too many opportunities. And, you know, both of us dislike the word hustle. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. I don't, I don't glorify or celebrate that. But what is interesting is that you've really had to take a look back. And even before we started recording and just say, what is it that I want this to look like? Because now I have so many different prospects in sight which direction should I go? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like hustle because that's my natural tendency, right? Like I need the opposite to take place in my life. And so with that said, I think classic entrepreneurial mind set in when I went forth with a full-time calligraphy business and I saw immediately there's this gap in the market. There's women that don't know how to, they fumble around with their message. They're not clear on how to communicate what they do through words. They're very uncomfortable selling. Like it makes them feel completely icky. And um, to me, it's the most honest thing you can do, right? Like tell someone, yes, you should do this or no, I don't think it's for you. And Mm -hmm. so I saw this like difference in me, like a decade of working in marketing. And I am very comfortable with that. I have definitely like plenty of things I needed to hire other people to help fill holes in my business. But that buddy, that is one thing that I'm comfortable with. And so in seeing that I started another like Jenna said, side to my business doing this copywriting for creative entrepreneurs in the wedding community because weddings are something I knew like the back of my hand from working with brides for all these years. And so um, I would say the biggest struggle, and I firmly believe that it is something popping up more and more because I think there's a lot of literature and education out there for people starting a small business and trying to build your client roster and, you know, working so hard on, you know, figuring all this out. But what if... What if you go in there and you fit a need and you get overwhelmed? Like, how do you solve that problem? And it has been something that I've had to, the cobbler's children have no shoes is like such a fitting statement because I'm realizing like I'm selling all day, every day for other people and not my own services. And so that has been the biggest struggle for me. That's where I've kind of had to see there's a lot of value in paying for coaches and having people come inside your business and look at all of it and assess it and tell you what to do. So I agree. And I think too, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand that the people out there that are killing it, they're not doing it alone. No. And yeah. I think it's, there's so much behind the scenes and I'm really excited in this podcast to even just share, like, what does a launch even look like? Like who's yep. on the team? Who's doing what? Because it's not a one person show ever. No. And I agree, like when I started investing in coaches and just honing in who I was taking advice from, because Mm -hmm. there's so much advice out there, Mm -hmm. that was when I actually saw growth because I wasn't so bombarded with everyone's ideas. And so I love that. And 
what would you say as a copywriter is your hardest sell? Because I think a lot of people know what copywriters do, but they yeah. might not understand why they might need one in their business. Yeah, I think, and I heard a copywriter say it recently. She was like, she said hard ass. <laughs> she was like, sorry to be a hard ass, but like at the end of the day, as great as your imagery is, it's your words that sell. And mm-hmm. that is how I look at it. Like words are the scaffolding to your, to your business. That's your mission statement, your vision. Like, Yes, you can communicate this through imagery. And um, Lauren Hooker gives a great she percentile. She says there's 90% of the things that you communicate are communicated visually, right? Like we see that through icons and beautiful photography. But so you only have, if you think about that, 10% to like get after it on your words, right? And I think you really have to, um, I think people... You know, people equate, you know, if you're a good writer, you're a good writer across the board. But I kind of don't think that's true. And I think because you see there's journalism, there's poetry, there's screenwriting, like there's a lot of different styles of writing. But copywriting, in essence, is words that pack punch. It's words that are persuasive and they make someone take action on something. And I think there's a lot of value in learning to do that yourself. I think you do need to learn how to be a good copywriter for your own business. But if that's something when you're doing like we're talking about, if you want to do a launch, then maybe you need to start thinking about like, if you want to make money, you know, investing in, um, like you've done Facebook, like somebody to just outsourcing different pieces of the puzzle to different people is a way to really get bang for your buck. Right. And I think one of the coolest things about when we brought Ashlyn onto the team was it wasn't that I couldn't write copy because I, You're a great admit, writer. I mean, I love to you write, are. but I also recognize the fact that I don't write sales copy. I write blog posts and Instagram captions mm-hmm. and emails. And I love all of those things, but sales copy is totally different. It's a whole mm-hmm. different ball game. And so it was a no brainer to say, take what I've started and make it better. And I think too, we talked a little bit about this before is I think a lot of people struggle in knowing what their voice is online Mm -hmm. and how to find it. So what three tips would you give somebody that says like, I don't know what my online voice is and I don't know how to find it. What would you tell them? Okay. First of all, this is a good question. And yes, you are a very talented writer. Um, I think though that when it comes to like writing sales copy and honing your voice, first thing you got to bite the bullet and do it. Like, but Anne Lamott is such a great, um, she's got a few books if anyone is like more interested in writing and honing your voice. But she talks about like you have like a demon and an angel on your shoulder and the demon is like, oh, this is awful. What are you doing? And the angel the whole time is like, keep doing it. You're doing great. You're doing great. And like hearing that from Anne, such a prolific writer, just like, again, gives confidence that this is something that literally every writer under the sun goes through. So when you think writing is hard, no matter how great of a writer or how awful of a writer you think you are, you're in the, like the large majority, everybody has a hard time with this. And so you can just get your booty in a seat. And like, for me, it's create. this is like personal, but it's like creating an environment where I feel comfortable, like lighting a candle, getting that like warm mug of coffee, or if it's at night, I can be a really good night writer, a glass of red wine, and just like getting myself really comfortable. You got to write a lot. Secondly, I think I would say right through the, I don't mean to be throwing out words, Anne says this, uh, horrible but she says another word, first draft. So like, sometimes you've got to get through and I see this all the time when I'm writing blogs and 
other copy for people. And when I was in a PR agency, we used to call it looking at something with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. The next day, write that horrible first draft and write it because you've got to write then a second horrible first draft and a third and a fourth until you finally like had this gold mine breakthrough. Like you had to go through those first four to get to the next one. And I think that is really important for people to recognize like it's a practice because you have to work through so many layers to get to the gold nugget. Um, so that would be the second one. And then the third one, <laughs> I feel like there are five words that if I see one more time in copywriting, I'm like, swoon is one of them. <laughs> swoon, I know. It's funny you say, well, these are okay. Let's say five and two bonuses because okay. I'm going to say swoon and then curate. Like okay, if I say yes. the word curate one more time, I'm going to like, like punch myself with my pen. So the words that I like am so sick of are stressed, frustrated, busy, overwhelmed, and authentic. Because let's be honest, I think we can all agree that we're stressed, frustrated, busy, and overwhelmed and want to be authentic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like no matter what you're selling, and true, these words are great. Like I don't mean to throw a caveat there, but I think if you're going to use those, go a little farther. Yep. And I always tell people like talk to, and this is an Amy Porter field learning that when she said it was one of the courses that I took of hers, when she said this, I was like, Oh, no, I am not doing that. And then, but she, of course, being Amy, she's like, well, you can't come back to the next lesson until you do this. And so talk to 10 of your ideal client or audience and ask them those questions, the deep ones, like, what does it feel like to have this problem? What are you thinking? What are you doing? I think a big one is what have they tried in the past that hasn't worked? What have they tried or what has held them back? And then what you think about, what are they not asking you that they probably should be asking? And I think a lot of times as creatives, we, you know, you're like, oh, I can figure those out. Like, I know those enough, but I, I don't think you do. And I don't think I do. I think you actually have to ask people those questions to become a good copywriter for your business and really drill down into the words that they're saying and use those. And um, of course, we know you can come up with so many good course and product ideas from that. But if you don't ask those questions right out of the gate, you're missing a big opportunity when it comes to your copy. Right. And I think too, as entrepreneurs, we love to think we know best. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, I know exactly what they need. And we're doing this right now together Mm -hmm. um, when we're doing like research for the next course. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where we know people need it, but people might not know that they need it. Exactly. We're like, what are the pain points that are keeping them from getting to this place in their business? Yes. And then how can we solve them? And I think a lot of times we'll just say, okay, well, you need to grow your Instagram following, or you need to have yeah. an email list, or you need to have a better website. But we don't think about the underlying things that are affecting people from actually doing that. Yep. And there's so much psychology in that. And that's where, I mean, it's really crazy as a copywriter because you are like a psychologist yes, with words. You are. And I think one of the big things that I did in my business that I what I didn't want to do, I'll be honest, when I was like this little, you know, idea of me wanting to quit my job is in my head and I start finding this entire ecosystem of online entrepreneurs that I didn't even know existed and then I get on iTunes and I'm like, there's a gazillion podcasts about this. <laughs> what? But um finding everybody was saying like build your list. Build your list, build your list. And I was like, that's cool. I don't have like, I don't think I need to do that. But I kept hearing it. And like, I hadn't even launched a website at this point, but I was, 
it clearly said into me like, okay, there is something to this email list building thing. Mm -hmm. And so as I tapped into that, and that's one of the first, like us talking about finding someone's pain points, bless my heart. This is the worst opt-in option (laughs) ever. But I was like, I can letter, I'm going to make four desktop wallpapers and offer them to people that take my survey. So I got on type form and like made this little survey just to get people like in their words, what their problems were when it came to words and messaging and um, sent that out. And that was the beginning of me building an email list, which I think is like the basis of what made me be able to take this and create an income that matched my full-time salary. So I think that was really important. And it was something I did that I was very uncomfortable doing. Yeah. It, feels very uncomfortable to build an email list when you're like, but what, it, like, what do I tell them every week? Mm-hmm. But um, it's a gold mine and everybody should do it. Well, and I think it's so funny too, because I had a very similar experience and I hired my first business coach and we were on the phone and I was feeling like so legit. I had, you know, <laughs> tens of thousands of followers. And uh-huh. so I get on and I like get on the phone. And I'm like, I have this awesome, business, <laughs> awesome following. And he goes, so how many people do you have on your list? And I'm like, what do you mean list? Like my Instagram is popping. <laughs> Did and, you look it up, bud? Like, oh. hello. And then he's like, no, like your email list. And I was like, I don't have one. And this is a year ago. And um, oh my gosh. I, I remember feeling like, really frustrated because I was like, well, no, I'll just leverage Instagram and Facebook. It's totally fine. I don't need this. And I kind of was feeling prideful. And then he goes, well, what happens if like Instagram shut down tomorrow? How would you get in touch with all of these followers who care about you? And I was like, oh my God, I would have absolutely no way of reaching them. Like I don't even know how to contact them. And so it was so funny because looking at that, I have become, I mean, you and I share a heart in like being Mm -hmm. so passionate about not letting people make the same mistakes that we've made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what the hardest thing is, is one, people don't know what to send Mm -hmm. and two, they don't have anything to sell. And so they aren't looking at it as an act of service. They're just saying, I have nothing to sell. So why would I start this? So what would you say? Because you are in that growth phase right now. Yeah. And I mean, you are these people that are. Yeah. And I would say too, I'm a testament to it. Like I've only launched one course, but the course was a great five figure launch sheerly because of the fact that I think I had an email list. So I am a testament to the fact that they work, but um, back to what you're saying, like these tools that we use every day, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, they're great. We're renting them. We are, we are renting them from the people that created them and own them and can sell them in a heartbeat, can change the algorithm in a heartbeat. But what you own, is like the stake being able to walk into someone's life and like meet them on their couch in their inbox. Like that's where they hang out. So I think being able to, you got to get comfortable, you know, with starting that and knowing that you might not know what you're selling. But I think I have learned lately, if you can build a tribe based off of your why and people that buy into you no matter what, because they communicate with your why and they love that, then you're going to be okay in the end. And I think... Um, that's something I've had to lean into. But when you're thinking about like you were asking, what do you tell them? What do you even say? Give, mm-hmm. give, give, get like, let it be your ministry. Just give and give away because, and I think there, I mean, you and I both know, like when you come to like the nerd out part of it, there's like, <laughs> it's like 80% giving 20% like asking, communicating. Yeah. Asking yeah. something. Right. 
just like go forth and give, like make freebies for them. Tell them things you're finding online that are really helping you out in your business or helping you grow as a um, whatever sphere of the industry that you happen to fall in. But just give. And then when it comes time to ask, don't be afraid to sell. And I think you and I both saw with both of your launches that we worked on, like it is scary. I think we drafted 14 emails for your second launch. And like that is, yeah, it's terrifying, right? You're like, Oh my God, everyone's going to drop. No, everyone's going to hate me, but they don't like they, And I saw very few drop-offs with my course launch too. Like by this point, you've given them so much that they understand like you're They're running a business. Like, yes. Dude, it's like, you know, what I've learned with it is I give, 50 weeks of the year without mm-hmm. any ask, like mm-hmm. 50 weeks, every single week I'm giving out free information or free teaching or even just inspiration. Mm-hmm. And on those two weeks where you launch, it's okay to go big because at yes. that point people want what you have. Like you have given so much. It's a rule of reciprocity. Like if you are yes. serving, you deserve to sell at some point. And I think what people make the biggest mistake on when it comes to email lists is they only use it to sell. So they only reach out yes. when they're selling. And I think that that's like the biggest detriment because they're saying, well, it's not working. Well, if you're only emailing people when you're selling something, it isn't going to work because you're not coming from an active service. Bingo. You're exactly right. I've got um, Seth Godin's permission marketing sitting on my desk. It's a good one, but like you've got to get these people to buy in on the front end. And I think what you're talking about, I'm like a poster child for Amy Porterfield because I sit there and listen to her podcast and read her yep. free content for years. And then she launches a course and I'm like... Dear Amy, I can give you $297 of my money because I just want to thank you for like, you know, like she did not need that. (laughs) She's doing okay. But it's like the opportunity to be able to say thank you and to give back to someone for all of the free things they've given you. And I don't think people think about that enough. Right. And I also think too, at like in a conversation state, I think that when I first created opt-ins, I like hemmed and hawed over them and wanted them to be perfect and wanted it to be this earth shattering thing. And it's so funny because now we try to pump out an opt-in like once or twice a month, if not weekly. Awesome. And it's so funny because now we've just taken it from a place of this is going to serve somebody and it might not be for everyone, but the people that get it need it. Yes. And so it's really exciting because, you know, before I used to operate on like like having two main opt-ins and it's like you have a wealth of information you whatever do. you do whatever your job is whatever your dream is whatever your experience is and you can literally write in a word document and save it as a pdf and let it go like, yes yes it's not rocket science and it no. we overcomplicate things we do. so much Somebody told me recently, it's like, when you go to college, who do you want to tell you like the layout of campus and how things are like a professor or somebody that's like two years above you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you want like the junior on campus. So I think when it comes to feeling like an expert and like releasing those, as we call them, like lead magnets and opt-ins out there to grow your list, you got to like know that you've got what it takes inside and you have something that people want to know even if you started your business last month because guess what you have one more month of experience that somebody else doesn't Mm -hmm. so what would you say right now is your biggest struggle in Hmm. communicating what you do because you do two different things and while they're related they're very different oh lord jenna yeah that's like (laughs) the golden question (laughs) this is why i hired a coach but um i think that i 
it's like, I call it the WebMD factor, right? Like how many times do you sit there? This, I think good copywriting has a WebMD factor because you're sitting there, you have a stuffy nose, you get online, you Google around, you land on WebMD and like 10 minutes later, you're like, I'm dying. This is it. <laughs> like, and I think it's because, and that's a silly, silly example, but it's the thing is that that copy is so good that you're like, this is like, I have this. And so I think I'm at the point in my business right now, I'm trying to explain to people the WebMD, like, why aren't you selling? Well, it's probably because you're not communicating what you do succinctly at all. And it's like very unclear your message. And so I think my biggest pain point and struggle I'm trying to see that I realize there's a lot of education missing out there that the entrepreneur in me is like rushing to fill and telling people what good messaging is and what good copywriting is. And like, I'm a firm believer that you should and you could DIY it until you have to hire someone like me. I think you need to know how, like we, you got to know how to write because I mean, Lord willing, can you find somebody that wants to write every single Instagram post and every single Facebook response message? And like, if you find them, let me know. But I don't think there's a copywriter out there that has that kind of setup. And so you need to know how to communicate what you do clearly. So I think a lot of my biggest struggle is trying to get people to recognize that that is probably if you're not selling, that's probably a big issue and why that's happening. I love that. And We've talked about this before too, and a lot of people could relate in the sense of sometimes you feel like you need to defend what you do or Mm -hmm. like explain it and convince people that it's worth it. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in doing that, that we forget that the people that know it's worth it are already out there and they're looking for us and we need to speak to them first. Not the people that need convincing, not the people that don't understand it or don't get it. And, you know, it's been so interesting with me because, you know, a year ago I had zero team. I had absolutely no team. I was flying solo. And over the last year, I've really seen like where you invest, you're going to see the payback if you make smart Mm -hmm. decisions. And so it's interesting to say, well, I have a copywriter because Mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And it took years and years of learning what my voice was and typing the way that I speak and dropping (laughs) out all of those fluffy adjectives like swoon and beautiful and gorgeous and all of that. Just getting to the heart of what are the stories that I'm telling every day through Facebook statuses, through Instagram captions, through blog posts, through emails. And I think too, then when you do go and you have a budget and you have the ability to hire someone, their job is so much easier because you've spent that time refining your voice so that they're not inventing it for you. Exactly. You're dead on. And I think like a quick bootstrapping budget tip, like you're saying, if you, and Nikki Elledge Brown calls it the BFF test, like every, if you're, can't hire a copywriter, you're writing for yourself. That's great. That's awesome. So like read everything out loud, read it to your husband, read it to your friend. If it doesn't sound like you backspace it. And then I would say like what we were talking about earlier, look at everything with fresh eyes because the next day people, we're in a busy, fast paced society. People do not read everything that you put out there. And like, if you can just um, make everything more concise, backspace a lot and like become comfortable with killing your darlings, as it said, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be on track to being a better writer. I love that. And 
one of the rules for us in our business is um, never hit publish the day that you write. Yes, um, I love that. And I think so many people, like I see it all the time where they'll write a blog post and they'll be so excited that they publish it at 10 p.m. at night mm-hmm. when nobody's online mm-hmm. and nobody sees it and they're not beating any algorithms. And you're like, why didn't you just wait till the next morning? You might have revisited it and changed yep. things. And so like I have a huge rule where like anything I am publishing is it's been sat on for sometimes a few weeks even. Mm -hmm. But when you go back through it, you can remove the fluff a little bit more. You're not as close to the content as you are when you create it. And also, like you said, like nobody sees everything you put out. There is you care way more than anyone else does. And so done is better than perfect, yes. um, but give yourself the time and space to make sure that it's something you actually stand behind and love, you know? Yes. And I think if we're going to be on the vein here of like, like crushing some, like <laughs> some things out there that are just like not true, like hitting publish right away. I think another big thing is people are afraid that their sales pages or, and I think a lot of people like that's your services page. If you're like, especially in the wedding industry. We don't really call those sales pages, but, um, those emails, anything, there's a lot of fear that they're too long. And I would say there's a copywriter named Ray Edwards. He says it well, he's like, there's no such thing as too long. There's such thing as too boring though. So if you're going to write something that is long form, that is okay. We have to recognize that as internet readers, how many times you open up a page, you scroll, like you don't even read, you scroll, you hit some subheads, maybe some bullets. And then like for Maybe if I'm there's a product or service that I'm interested in buying, I'll go back, you know, the next day and I'll look again. And then it's like right before I'm going to give you all my credit card information, buddy, I'm going to get in there and like read every single thing that you've written. But I think there, so like there's no shame in writing something that is long form, but you've got to break it up with bullets and subheads and bold and italic copy and underlined copy and just like change, like make it visually energetic and fun to read. And that helps work your client or your target audience down the page to reading it. But um, that's, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, it's too long. It's too long. No, but it might be too boring, but it's probably not too long. (laughs) I so struggle with that because I am like so long winded and writing to me comes easily. Whereas like a lot of people, you know, they like sit there and stare at the cursor and I'm like, Oh, just give me like one (laughs) sentence and I will whip up like a five paragraph essay on this. Like I can take like a lyric from a song and make it into a book. <laughs> this is when I feel like I need my husband to hear that because he would be like, "Oh, good, she's not alone in this world." No, and like, whenever I sit on a plane, I'll like have three subjects and then I'll whip out three blog posts, and it literally takes me no time. Love it. But it's so funny because I will go back and I will remove adjectives and ask myself, "Is this story strong enough?" Yeah, without all of the fluff, because I think we have this tendency to use our descriptors as ways to like add words, and yes. a lot of times they take away from the actual meaning behind this story and they're not adding anything they're just glazed over like we're so tired of seeing these words over and over again (laughs) that we just tune it out you know Mm -hmm. and I think like it's you fall back on that you know in 10th grade you're trying to make that paper like hit its right length and so you're like oh just like one more adjective in here and then it like bumps to the next page I think people still do that with their writing and you mentioned story and I think that like 
storytelling is definitely a buzzword right now, right? In like the marketing industry. And um, there is a, it's a, it's kind of an old fact. I think Donald Miller with his story brand podcast has resurrected it and it is great and it is true. But when you're using the method of story and elevating your brand message, you've got to position the client as the hero. And I think you do a good job of this, Jenna, like innately, but it is I don't know how you learned it, but it's something that like people need, like you are the Dumbledore and they are Harry Potter. Like you are Yoda. You you get to be the ugly one. Sorry. But they get to be Luke Skywalker. But it's like, if you can shepherd this person and show them how you're going to be their right hand man and you're going to like, maybe it's a long story, but you're there helping them and putting them through the ranks to get to where they want to be in life, then that is the way that you tell story, no matter how long it may be. And I see this so much in wedding professionals struggling with this because I'll click to their blog and the blog is all about them and how they serve their clients and how their clients made them feel. And it's like, it's not about you. You have chosen to support them and serve them. And it's about them and like, tell their story. Don't tell your version of your story. And I think I really learned that after reading other people's posts, because I'm like, I don't care how the photographer felt. I want to know how the couple felt. Like, I want to know why their wedding was special and why it mattered and why they chose certain things, because I'll connect more with the images and with the pieces of their wedding day. Then if I just hear about how a photographer was crying all day and, you know, like, don't <laughs> exactly. the clients, you know? Exactly. And I think that is the, um, like, when you were talking about earlier, like, we were talking, like, digging into how they say it. Like, how do they say it? And that's why that comes into um, a real big importance. And I think, too, another tip for copy, and I, I hope you agree, is mm-hmm. if you really struggle with writing, let your clients write for you. Yes. Ask them those questions that you talked about early on. Like, what were you afraid of? What made you choose me? Why did you choose this service or product in your life right now? How has yes. it changed your life? And ask them a few simple questions and then repurpose that as your content for the written words. And your clients are going to notice that you paid attention. Totally agree. But also you have content created for you. And that is such a blessing too. And I think, you know, people just want to feel heard. Mm-hmm. And if you're struggling and you're like, well, I don't blog because I don't know what to write. Let your people speak for you. I think sometimes that's even more powerful than talking Amen. to yourself. Let them speak for you. Let them tell you what they want to learn from you. Like that's that like covetable, no like trust factor that we all know as small business owners that you need before you get a sell. Something, I don't know if this is related. This might be like me going on a tangent, but I was going to say creating a swipe file as you learn to write copy for your business, I think is a like gold mine. If you can, um, and I have, you know, I use Gmail, have like all my email inboxes funneled to that one account. But um, on the side I have, and I'm nerdy and like sign up for people's launches just to like know how, yeah, like see, but it's like, if I am on a launch funnel or somebody trying to sell something and I want to buy it, like that's good. I know because it's like, we know the ins and outs of marketing and advertising, but if it speaks to you and makes you want to buy it, then it might speak like it probably is good copy. And so I think mm-hmm. when you get those emails, putting them into folders, like if there's, you know, make a folder that's subject lines that worked for you or um, 
sales emails that worked for you or just really good like email quote unquote newsletters that made you just feel like warm and fuzzy inside. Save those. And there, I cannot remember who it is. There's another writer who's like, good writing is like being able to take like you don't have to reinvent the wheel and like there's nothing new under the sun. So really good writing is being able to borrow well and like twist and piece together things that haven't been pieced together before. And so there's not, don't, I mean, you're not going to copy it, but there's not shame in looking and learning from what you see appear in your own inbox. Oh, and that is such a great tip for people. Like we follow so many launches. We get, I mean, I probably file like 30 emails a day (laughs) from other marketers, but it's really when you go down and dissect, like you said, like what made me want to take action? What yes. made me want to purchase? What made me open this? That is like, okay, these are triggers that are working for me. They'll probably work for my audience. Exactly. Well. Like and great copy. Thing, or go ahead, go ahead. No, the other thing too that I love is when you say things a certain way over and over and over again, write that down because I know when I hired Caitlin, who mm-hmm. helps me with my email, mm-hmm. she started recording Jenna-isms and having them on hand so that if she needed to respond to something on my behalf, it sounded like me and it was on brand. And, you know, there are going to be certain phrases or things that you use and yeah. genuinely use in your life, in your vocal life and in your written life. And having a file that says like, these are things that would actually come out of my mouth. Yes. Um, it's so helpful if you ever decide to outsource or hire a VA or get help, um, which we all highly recommend. Yes. And I think that that's something that's like, if you're listening to this and thinking like, oh, that would be amazing. That's not me. Well, it's going to be you like in a week. So yeah. I think you have to like realize that it happens sooner than you think. That's one thing that I taught in my copywriting for creatives course, because I wanted you to be able to have this voice in style guide to lean back on because even if it's not I'm getting to the point in my business where I'm ready to hire on somebody because I'm just like like I told you Jenna like little Dutch boy with my finger (laughs) in the wall and um you you come to a point very quickly where if you could just communicate quickly to someone these are the things I say these are the things I don't say what I tell my clients like just to make a quick list how do you like sign in like how do you introduce yourself in an email is it like hey girl is it hey is it (laughs) as Jenna says, Hey boo. And then like, go, tell me how you sign off those emails. Tell me some other phrases you use. And then a huge list to write is um, the things you don't say. Like maybe it's the phrases your competitor says that you don't want to sound like, or it's phrases that you're just like, this is I'm over it. I don't want to hear that word one more time. Writing like those three big buckets is very helpful to hand off to someone easily. Definitely. Awesome. Well, girl, thank you so much for being on here. Where can everyone find you? Yes, ashlynwrites.com, A-S-H-L-Y-N, writes is my website. And I'm really working on trying to, like we were talking earlier, creating some educational tools that are just free and help get people to the level where they may want to hire a copywriter one day. But I do, I have some free courses, like an about page course and some other stuff that I am happy to teach people on because I really, I really do think not a lot of people are telling you how to form your brand voice. And that's something you've got to figure out for yourself before you ever get to the point where you can outsource things. So that is awesome. And we will put a freebie together based off of all of Ashlyn's amazing tools to share. I am just so excited to have you on and guys, wherever you're at in your business, whether you might be able to afford a copywriter at this time, or it's something you look towards in the future. I just want to tell you, like it has been worth every single penny. And 
we keep thinking of more things that Ashlyn can do. <laughs> Every day I feel like I'm like, oh, Ashlyn could do this. Ashlyn could do this. Um, and so there is just no one, you know, one service that someone that is amazing at what they do can offer. And so it's just been such a huge benefit to us in our business. And I know you'll be hearing more about this girl very soon. So thank you so much for hanging You're out so today. welcome, sweet friend. And <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.